Lonely song, the song's for you. I notice that I get a lot of emails and I get a lot of people who are often telling me they work all the time. And here in the group and out there in the world, people are telling me they work all the time, they observe themselves all the time, they're doing this all the time, they're blah, 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 blah all the time. And I think, you know, with all that working and self-observation going on all the time, you might expect some metanoia. Now, I'm not looking for outer things, I'm looking for metanoia. Remember what metanoia is? It's your mind changing. You change your mind. You change your attitudes. There's got to be this internal change. If you're really doing that, if you're really working and you're really observing yourself all the time properly, then metanoia must follow as the dawn must follow the night. It has to follow. If it doesn't, then you must look to what you're saying your work and your self-observation is. If you're stuck, and you know it, you are fortunate. If you're stuck and you don't know it, this isn't for you because this will just fall on the wrong places in you. It will set you on fire and your negativity will become even more inflamed. And the next state, your next state will be worse than the previous state. If you've ever made the mistake of suggesting to some of these people who are working all the time, and I have, I've suggested it to you, and you just said last night, I said something about the sleep, your sleep, and you said, you know, there are all these objections came up. You know, it's like, oh, I'm working, I'm working, I'm not asleep. This is the wrong place to let that fall. It's the wrong place to let that fall. If that's where you're letting that fall, you're not connected properly. And that's the first sign. That's a bad connection. But if you've ever made the mistake of suggesting that their work is imaginary, you'll not wish to do it again. That's what I've found. I don't want to do what I do in life. I don't want to do this job. And the reason I don't want to do this job is because when you tell people the truth, they don't like it. And the reason they don't like it is because the work of esotericism is very, very hard on false personality. And it's very hard on the self-love. And the self-love and the false personality suffer greatly because of it. Now, I would like to share with you something from Job chapter 41. It says, this is God talking to Job after Job went through all of this misery. And he's then questioning God, you know, well, why did you do this? And blah, 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 blah. And so he says, can you draw out Leviathan with a fish hook or press down his tongue with a cord? Can you put a rope in his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Will he make many supplications to you? Or will he speak to you soft words? Will he make a covenant with you? Will you take him for a servant forever? Will you play with him as with a bird? Or will you bind him for your maidens? Will the traders bargain over him? Will they divide him among the merchants? Can you fill his skin with harpoons or his head with fishing spears? Lay your hand on him. Remember the battle. You will not do it again. So this is what I want to talk about because I have this experience and it's a recurring experience. William Congreve wrote, Heaven has no rage like love to hatred turned, nor hell a fury like a woman scorned. Replace the word woman with self-love and you'll understand better Leviathan. The dictionary definition of Leviathan is a thing that is very large and powerful. In these writings, they think it refers to a whale or a crocodile. And that's because scholars had to figure out something in an exoteric way, what they didn't understand esoterically. I don't want you to look at it in an exoteric way. You can do that by yourself. You don't need me for that. My job is to get you to look inside and to try and understand what it's saying inside, the inner meaning of it. Expanding consciousness, raising level of being, transformation is not something that life requires of us. You know this. You know that all esoteric schools teach life has a different purpose for us than the purpose that we were created for and that we get lost in life's purpose. 
and we forget our real meaning, and so we're told to remember ourselves. Well, what that means is remember your meaning. Remember yourself means remember your meaning. Remember why you're here. You don't have a self to remember. Remember yourself. Well, you're sure. Which self? You don't know itself. I mean, the fact is, is that the more you do this, the more you observe how many different eyes are in you, the more you realize you don't know who you are. You lose your identity. It can be terrifying. You lose your identity, and it can be terrifying. And that's why you've got to find this peace, so that you can rest in that darkness. Life instead resists us if we aim to find higher meaning, because life has a different idea of what we're for. It wants us for a different reason. Just the same way that a cow resists you when you try and get it to go into the slaughterhouse. Because that cow has a different idea of life than you have of life for it. Your idea of life for that cow is it should end here so that I can eat it. Its idea of life is I should be able to be out there eating grass and feeding my calves, my offspring. But your idea for it is different. And so it resists, you resist the cow getting away, and the cow resists you killing it. You can see this. This is the same thing that life does with us. Now, you've heard of a Judas goat? Judas goat? Mm. Judas goat. The way they used to slaughter sheep is they would have a goat that was trusted. And that goat would go into the slaughterhouse, and the sheep would follow it, knowing that where the goat went, it was going to be safe. Because the slaughterers, I don't know what else they call them, the butcherers, trained this goat to do this, the goat would just be able to walk right through. But then all the sheep behind it got slaughtered. So it's called a Judas goat. And what I'm saying is that in life, there are Judas goats. There are things that lead you into the slaughter that life has for you. And they're trusted. And what we don't trust is what's trying to lead us out of that. So we're in a real bind. You'll notice that the Judas goats make millions. The Judas goats get praised. The Judas goats are heroes. But who's making the rules? To whom are they heroes? Who is praising them? Well, you'll find that it's the world. Well, do you want the world? What did Jesus say? When men speak well of you, when they praise you and they speak well of you, beware. Why? Do you remember why? That's what they did with the prophets before they killed them. So, beware. There are all kinds of things in esoteric literature about beware a flatterer. Just don't do that. Why? Well, it goes directly to the false personality. It's feeding the wrong thing. All of this stuff in life, this resistance in life, is normal. It's just the way it is. It's not like, you're the only person. Oh, poor me, I'm the only person. It's like you're not. There are millions of people all over the world going through what you're going through. You just don't know them. You're just not connected with them. Oh, but nobody's going through exactly the same thing. Trust me, wimp. It just isn't that bad. Look at this stuff that's happening to me, and it's like, it hasn't even come to shedding blood. No one's cut me. Nobody shot me. It's all done psychologically. It's all done psychically. It's all done mentally. It does not come to shedding blood. What's the problem? I mean, truly, what's the problem? And so when it comes to shedding blood, what's the problem? We all know that faith is born on the blood of the martyrs. We see people willing to die for something that we can't see, and we think, well, must be there. If somebody was willing to actually die for it, it must be there. And unfortunately, we're so blind, that's what we need. And there are people who, they're so well-connected and so willing to do that, that it's like, no big deal. Remember the stoning of Stephen, the first martyr? You know, he just looked up and the windows of heaven were open. He said, I see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of glory. And they went crazy, started tearing out their hair and gnashing their teeth, picked up stones and stoned him to death. The same story repeats over and over and over again. Life does not want you to go higher. Life wants you to stay right where you are so that it can use you for its purpose. That's the resistance. It's normal. Don't get all upset about it. It's like it is what it is. And it's not what it's not. It's been going on for thousands of years. It's going to go on for thousands more, with or without you. And incidentally, it will be without you.
Now, the confusion of tongues cripples us. We think when we hear a word, we know its meaning. This is pure imagination. You think you hear the word work, and you know what it means to work. You think you hear the word self-observation, you think you know what it means. It's pure imagination. Am I saying I know what work is, and am I saying I know what self-observation is? No, not at all. I may understand a bit of it, but it's always open-ended to me, because work is infinite, self-observation is infinite. These are ideas that come from so far above us, that to us, there is no reaching the top. That will take us, well, a long time. So let's just leave it there. All esoteric systems agree on this one thing. Man is asleep, but he can awaken through proper, intelligent, directed effort. Work is an activity involving mental or physical effort done in order to achieve a purpose or result. And then, of course, effort is a vigorous or determined attempt. How many times have you been told, don't work for results? Well, what do you work for then? Work for purpose. If you don't work for results, you can work for purpose. What is your purpose? Your aim is not a result. Your aim is a purpose. So work for the purpose. What is the purpose of this? Well, the purpose is to develop. Well, what does that mean? Well, who cares? The end result is whatever it is. It doesn't have anything to do with anything. It's your purpose that matters. The result will be the result. It can manifest any way it can manifest. That has nothing to do with anything for us. It's purpose. And effort being a vigorous or determined attempt. <laughs> Perseverance. You've got to be determined in this. You've got to persevere. Esoteric writings, again, are full of this admonition. Persevere. It's only those who persevere who will win the prize. What's the prize? Prize is purpose. <laughs> it's not some outer thing. We get a result. We always look in the world. And that goes directly to self-merit, and we're lost. It's just the opposite of what we're looking for. So that's why I've said all these years, don't work for results. Well, what are we supposed to work for? Just work. Work for the sake of the work, because this is what you've been told to do, because it's your duty, because it is the duty of your being to develop. So your being was seated here so that you could develop. That's your purpose. Work for that. Forget about the results. Now, apart from mental or physical effort, there are two other categories of effort that, for our purposes, are much more significant. The first is mechanical or life effort, with which everything on this earth is saddled from birth to death. You're born hungry, naked, and in need of shelter from the elements. For a while, you survive only because something provides that for you. Life provides that for you. You don't have to do anything. Life provides it for you or it doesn't. You live or you die. You're either harvested right then or you're grown and harvested later. That's the purpose of life. So we've got to find food, shelter, clothing, and all that other stuff. Birds have to build nests, foxes, and they have to dig holes in the ground. They have to find a mate. They have to bear young. They have to find something to feed them. They have to protect them. It goes on and on and on and on and on. And it's just this endless cycle of this going on all the time. So that's mechanical life that demands, requires effort. And that effort is mechanical life effort. When the work speaks of effort, it is not speaking of that. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But get that straight. This is not what we mean when we speak of effort. Life effort is made by it. You know what it is? It is the machine. It is the part of you that is essentially controlled by life. There's a part of you that is controlled by life. Mostly it's your body. Your stomach makes you eat. Your senses make you hot or cold and need shelter, need clothing, need protection from the elements. So all these are through the five senses. This is all outer stuff. This is all the stuff that belongs to life. This is how life controls you. This is how life pushes you around. This is how life makes you go this way or that way. What we're looking for is something that can help us in another direction. We're not talking about effort made by what, but by who. Life effort is made by it. So that's effort made by what, not by who. What is the five senses, the animal. In this sense, we are truly animals. 
like all the other animals. The only difference with us is we have the possibility of a higher evolution. We have the possibility of developing further than an animal has. A possibility. Most people die like dogs. They never did realize their possibility. They never did develop their possibility. That's the way that is. You can accept it or not accept it. This is what we are taught. This is what you will observe and you will verify. If you observe, you will see that this is the way it is. You will see that most of your life has been wasted in that. And when you begin to see that, you will then see that the house is on fire and that you don't have time to piddle around with it anymore. When something snaps in you and you realize, oh my God, I'm going to die, then you've got to remember, you've got to constantly remember the house is on fire. Stop going back into the house to bring things out. Stop going back into the house to watch your favorite television program or whatever. Life effort is driving you to work at 4 a.m. in the morning because you'll lose your income if you don't. What time do you go to work? So what time do you get up? 3.30 or 4, because you meditate first. So the meditation is not life effort. Now, it can be life effort. People can meditate for life purposes, and it's totally wasted. It's pharisaical. So you can't judge what is going on inside by what is happening outside. Although, that's almost the only way that we ever judge anything, by appearance. We don't judge righteous judgment. We judge by appearance. It does it, not you. It gets up and goes to work. It doesn't want to, but it is forced to by life, because if you don't, you will lose your income. And you don't want to lose your income because then you'll you lose all these other things that you have to have. You'll lose your food. You'll lose your clothing. You'll lose your shelter. You'll be pushing a shopping cart around. And that's easy, isn't it? Yeah. you still got to eat. you still got to find shelter. And you still got to guard your shopping cart, which now all your possessions are in that. So you still got to protect that. And it's just the same thing. And if you're a multi-billionaire, it's the exact same thing. There is no difference. They've still got to eat. They've still got to have shelter. They've still got to have clothing. They're still required by life to do these things. This is life effort. It's done by it. It's done by the machine. It's done by the false personality. Life acts on the undeveloped mechanical parts of us. This type of effort is demanded by life, required by life. If we do what we have to do from the right state, we can reach good householder. Now, the thing is with good householders, you can stop there. Look at the world. The world is, you know, maybe not full of good householders, but there are a lot of them. There are a lot of people who got the game of life down, and they just stay right there. They never go any further. This work starts from another level. You have to be a good householder first. At least that's what the work says. I found that not true. I found that the work can actually help you to become a good householder. And once you become a good householder, then it can take you further. But if you became a good householder, and this is one of the things that gets confused in the work, they have this rule, you have to be a good householder. Well, unfortunately, the infinite doesn't play by our rules. These rules are laid down for children, and so they're just guidelines. And rules are made to be broken. That's how it is. You have to come to yourself, because that's part of development. I'm not going to explain that anymore because if you get it, you get it. If you don't get it, then you're just going to go crazy with it. And we got enough crazies in the world. We don't want to add to it. The effort of which we speak must be understood or we're going to go about saying stupid things like I'm working all the time, I'm observing myself all the time. You hear people say that, you just have to smile. What can you say? You hear yourself say that and you don't smile because you believe it. What does that mean? You're identified with yourself. You're identified with your goodness, which means you're identified with your false personality, which means you're asleep. Simple as that. And it's a tough thing to accept and acknowledge. If you reluctantly, negatively, get up at 4 a.m. to go to work, do you know you're negative? And if you know you're negative, what good is that? So, yeah, I know I'm negative. I don't want to go to work. So you're grumbling and complaining. If you're complaining, you're identified. You're not working. Complaining is not working. Complaining is complaining. 
Oh, well, you complain all the time. Well, not all the time, but thank you for sharing. Yes, I complain, absolutely. And sometimes that complaining is not working, and sometimes that complaining is working. I've used this example before, I'll use it again. It's like timbers in a boat. I used to have a wooden sailboat, and when the wind would blow and there'd be stresses put on things, you could hear the timbers creaking. They were complaining. Were they complaining? Of course not. It's just under that stress and pressure, these are the sounds that they made. But complaining is a space. It's not an action. So if you're judging by what you're hearing someone say, and you're not judging righteous judgment by their inner state, then you're doing exactly what esoteric teachings tell you not to do. Judge not, and you're judging. You have no right to do that. You have no business doing that. If you're going to judge something, judge yourself. Well, we do, and we judge ourselves to be perfect. We judge ourselves to be right, righteous, right, full of rightness. And then, of course, it all goes to false personality and seven other unclean spirits worse than the first one come in, and you're, you end up worse off than you were. So, yeah, I complain and I complain. I do both kinds. But you don't know which is which, but you think you do. And uh, sometimes I don't know which is which, but I think I do. So here's where this other effort. So you reluctantly, negatively get up at 4 a.m. to go to work. Do you know that you're negative? Yeah, I know that I'm negative. Now, right here is where this other effort, which the work speaks, can come in. Can come in. Right here is where it can be applied. This effort can be made consciously at this point. At this point of complaining. At this point of mechanical goings-on. At this point, the ideas can be applied. Then something else happens. This other effort of which we now speak is not demanded by life, but rather resisted by life. It's an extra effort that life does not require. Life wishes us to be identified because identified is unconscious. It's waking sleep, a sleep from which it is possible to awaken. This is what we're told by those who have awakened. What puts us at the effect of life is identification, not negative emotions. You can't have negative emotions without identification. You must have identification first. So not expressing negative emotions is only to show you that you can't not express negative emotions. Of course it's misunderstood. Everything's misunderstood. What puts us at the effect of life is identification, not negative emotions. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, they have no storeroom nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than the birds? That's Luke 12:24. I don't know whether you get that or not. You probably don't, do you? That's showing two things. It's showing two ways to work. It's showing that life makes you get the food and the, all the stuff. You don't have to, so reap. life does all this. Life pushes you and makes you do all this. But now, it, God feeds them how much more valuable you are than the birds. God feeds them. Life feeds them. But you're more valuable, and you're fed on two levels. You're fed on the life level, and you're also fed at this higher level if you wish to develop. If you do not, if you're oblivious to that, then it doesn't matter. People with tiny understanding think don't express negative emotions means suppress negative emotions. I remember when we first started, when I first started introducing you to this, and there were a couple of people who said, oh, so we're just supposed to stuff our emotions? No. Well, that's what you're saying. No, that's not what I'm saying. Well, yes, it is. No, that's not what I'm saying. You're not understanding. Well, I understand perfectly. You're saying stuff emotions. You can do that. You can go round and round and round and round and round. But now they don't say that. Now they understand. Now their understanding has grown, so they don't say that anymore. But when you had a tiny understanding, that's exactly what you said, because it's exactly the way it was for you. He's telling us to stuff our emotions. That can make you sick. That's bad. That can do this. That can do that. The purpose of telling you not to express negative emotions was not my purpose. It's what the work says. Why does the work say that? The work says that so you can realize by trying not to express negative emotions, there's no way you can do that. Negative emotions express you. <laughs> you are at the effect of them. You're not going to stop them. Why? Because negative emotions are not the problem. That's the smoke. The fire is underneath that. 
You need to get to the fire and put it out there. Then the smoke will dissipate. So it's simply absurd, this idea that you could not express negative emotions. It's just absurd. And it's absurd because if you understand it all, if you've observed yourself at all, you couldn't say that. You wouldn't be saying, I work all the time, I observe myself all the time, and I don't express negative emotions, and you're just saying suppress them or whatever. No. You simply don't understand. Not having created the force of understanding in themselves, they can't possibly understand. They say, I'm working all the time. I'm observing myself all the time. This is the smoke trail of Leviathan. I think if you read further in Job, it will also say something about how Leviathan breathes fire. His sneezes flash forth light, and his eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. Out of his mouth go burning torches. Sparks of fire leap forth. Out of his nostrils smoke goes forth as from a boiling pot and burning rushes. It fits. So this smoke trail of Leviathan, I'm trying to stay with the image, this smoke trail of Leviathan, address it in another at your own risk. You talk to somebody else about it, you try and do somebody else's work, Leviathan will, self-love will rise up in that person, and it will try and take your arm off, or your head, or your limbs, or whatever. It will try to stop you. So just get that straight. Lay your hand on him. Remember the battle. You will not do it again. That's one way of looking at it. Now, there's another way of looking at it. When you lay your hand on him, you become identified. You are now connected. So when you lay your hand on self-love, whether it's your own or someone else's, if you think that you're telling someone else how to work, trust me when I say you have laid your hand on your own Leviathan. You are identified with your own goodness, your own sense of superiority, your own I'm a helper, your own self-love. You are identified with it. You have now become it. The battle starts right there. And if you're awake for it, you won't forget it. Lay your hand on him, you become identified. Remember the battle, and you won't do it again. If you remember the battle, you won't do it again. This is self-remembering. If you remember what it cost you to identify with self-love, you're not going to go easily into that. You see? Oh, no, I don't want to go there. That's nasty. I don't want to go there. This is the beginning of self-remembering. This is where the power comes from. Remember, self-love is a beast. Don't forget that. Through the power of self-remembering, you begin to distinguish between required mechanical efforts and the conscious effort that esoteric ideas instruct us to make. This is not me. These ideas are thousands of years old. You can find it anywhere, but you have to look. But people don't look because they're too busy trying to make themselves right, too busy trying to prove their case. You've got to be willing to be wrong. You can't develop unless you're wrong. You must be wrong. This is why I've told you, get into your wrongness. Get out of your rightness. Get into your wrongness. The only place that you can ever learn is in your failures. You do not learn in your successes, or rarely ever. It's your failures where you learn. So you've got to be willing to fail and be wrong. It takes tremendous courage and perseverance to fail and be wrong. Tremendous commitment. And just admitting that you're wrong or that you failed. It's like, no! Self-love again. It's Leviathan. Don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Some mechanical efforts are necessary and serve us and our work very well. But they have to be put in order. They must be rightly connected. As it is, they're running us. But if we can get something over them, if we can get something that can put them in order, if we can get something that can instruct them and guide them, if we can get the shepherd's staff and rod in there, we can shepherd them. These unruly eyes, these unruly states, if we can shepherd them, if we can guide them, they can be very, very useful to our work, and they can serve us. So riding the pendulum from one extreme to the opposite is a debilitating disease on this planet. So we take this whole thing, this is what I mean by don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. We go, oh, it's mechanical efforts, oh, it's a negative emotion. Again, it's just tiny understanding that leads us to that. 
I express emotions. Connie had this thing in the yoga journal or something. She was. She said, I want you to read this. And it was something about uh, this woman. She lived in this ashram. And the guru was in the kitchen. She walked into the kitchen. The guru was in the kitchen. He's screaming and yelling at the cooks. Just crazy angry. He turns around. He sees her. He goes, well, did you enjoy the show? And he starts laughing, slaps the head cook on the back of the head. And the head cook laughs. And they all walk away. Now, this, of course, is something that she understood. She got it. She went, oh, my God, there's something else here. Now, of course, there are going to be people who grab that and say, oh, yeah, well, I'm just doing that. This is all conscious anger. Always. Every single truth, every front has a back. Every truth can be used in a negative way. Uh, there's nothing to say about that other than you either get it or you don't. If you don't, then you're on that side. If you do, then you're on the other side. If you do get it, you're on the front. If you don't get it, you're on the back. I'm not saying either side is good or bad. That's all I'm saying. If you get it, you're on the front. If you don't get it, you're on the back. If you're on the back, you could get to the front. If you're on the front, you could get to the back. So just be aware of that. And don't get too happy about your superiority. Here, well, I'm on the front. Because <laughs> that'll put you right on the back. That in yeah, that is the back. You know, that is the back. You'll flip right to the back then. If we work, we can come to the place of choice. There are only two choices. Serve nature or not. That's it. You are going to serve someone. You know, Bob Dylan's song from the album Saved. You got to serve somebody. There's no choice of no service. It's about service. You've got to serve somebody. You're a created being. You didn't create yourself. You have no power over your life or death. It's all pure imagination. That you think that you can keep on living is pure imagination. Each breath is a gift. And if you don't know that, you're wrongly connected. And when you don't know it, you're wrongly connected. Let's put it that way. When you don't know it, you're wrongly connected. When you do know it, those brief moments when you do, you briefly had a spark that connected you properly. But it's lost very, very quickly. We must learn the kind of effort needed to change our level of being. We must awaken from this sleep in which we're trapped. The trick is not the effort as much as from where the effort is done. And so this is the example I'm using about the guru who gets angry and yells and screams and then turns around and he's smiling. Oh, did he enjoy the show? And it's like, now some people want to go, oh, well, he just did that to teach us a lesson. Blah, 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 blah. Like, we're that important. Can you see that that's all ego? Well, he's just doing that to teach me a lesson. All you're trying to do is keep your guru. That's all you're trying to do. You're trying to keep your guru. You're trying to keep him perfect. And there isn't anything perfect down here. Nothing. Which means everything is perfect. Because if nothing is perfect, then everything is perfect. Let that spin around in your little noodle for a while. Yeah, look, I know how it goes. I know exactly what the mind does. I've been doing this for a long, long time. I have had a mind for a long time. And a mind had me for a long time before I had it. So I know exactly what it's up to, most of the time. Eventually, we must learn effortless effort. That's where the real work is done, something few ever realize. Ospensky said, the only emotion we know is being identified. Let me repeat that. The only emotion we know is being identified. Ospensky said that. The only emotion we know is being identified. People come around with a, I love you, I love, I love. The only emotion you know is being identified. No, not me, I've grown, I'm way far beyond Ospensky. Yeah, uh -huh. the only emotion you know is being identified. Work from there. Work from, you're beyond that and you're not working. You have to work from there. Can you see that's the only place to work from? You must work from where you're wrong, not from where you're right. How hard can this be? Well, if you've got Leviathan gnawing on your arms and legs and your head, it's hard. That's how hard it can be. It can be impossible. If you're connected with self-love, the battle's lost. You have to get your hand off of him and not lay your hand on him again. 
We have no real emotions because we're always identified, Ospensky said. So let me give you the whole thing. Ospensky said the only emotion we know is being identified. We have no real emotions because we're always identified. We're always laying a hand on Leviathan, self-love. We're always identified with self-love. Now, we're either more or less identified. Well, I've only got one finger on him. You still got the connection. Well, I got my whole hand on him. I got both hands on him. I'm riding him. Yeah, you can do all of the all of that, but the fact is it's still the same thing. You're either identified more or you're identified less. This is what Ospensky's trying to point out. This is the one thing we don't want to see. Why? Self-love doesn't like it. We can be identified or will. Will what life requires you to do, and you shift to a new internal workspace where you can begin to do what's required consciously. You get up at 4 a.m. or you get up at 3.30 or 3 to meditate, that is partial life and partial work. But if you do it consciously, then whether it's life requiring you to do it or not doesn't matter. What matters is you have shifted internally by willing it. You have shifted internally, put yourself in a new space where something can be done consciously. That's what willing it means. So in this new workspace, you can begin to do what's required by life, but you do it and it goes to the work and not to life. You're just re-channeling, you're just redirecting it so that it can actually, instead of going to feed life, it goes to feed your internal development. From that new internal workspace, you can move from sight to insight. Right now what we have is sight. What we need, sorely need, is insight. If you think you're right, you're laying a hand on Leviathan. You're completely identified with the false personality through self-love. Beware, because what you're doing is you're sowing the wind. And I promise you that when you sow the wind, you will reap the whirlwind.